it's with great, great, great pleasure. I want to welcome Sam Banerjee, co-founder of ADA, to today, as today's roundtable guest. As you know, we have guests almost every roundtable. And Sam, uh, I, Sam, I met a while ago and listened to her story. It was I, I loved her story, so I wanted to invite her back. And, and also, I, you know, I use these roundtables to catch up with people. So this is an, my opportunity to catch up with Sam after a while and, uh, and learn how things have been and how things have evolved. So I will um, highlight the part of her journey that I, I know and then learn more about what has been going on in the last few years. So welcome, Sam. It's great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Shramana. It's wonderful to be here. The first time I came in contact with one by one and you was, I think, back in 2010. We had just started the company, and I happened to participate in your roundtable. I think about two or three companies had pitched, and I took down so much of notes. I was just telling Maureen that the next day, I first thing we do after our stand-up is, you know, sit with my co-founders and discuss with them all this that I had learned, right? And, you know, now there is a plethora of startup knowledge everywhere, right? And that time it wasn't so. So this was, and, you know, I'm like the first entrepreneur in my family. It's not like we talk about business on our, you know, uh, dinner table at home. Yeah, so th- what I learned from that roundtable, I think, was very useful and um, helped us through during a lot of bootstrapping cross bootstrapping process. And then I think 2013 we spoke. Yeah, that's right. So uh, you know, since you bring up um, the bootstrapping journey, as you know, one million by one million is heavily pinned on the bootstrapping philosophy, and we use that as the we have no no quarrel with fundraising. We actually, we have a company that just raised money. Uh, so we introduce our, our companies to hundreds of investors. We work with many hundred investors at this point. But throughout our journey, bootstrapping remains a fundamental cornerstone of how we build companies. So um, Sam, your story, I remember from our 2013 conversation that I had uh, um, you know, noted very, and at that time I was still kind of toying with a lot of the methodology building blocks of how entrepreneurs successfully bootstrap, what are the creative bootstrapping strategies. And one thing that I was hearing over and over again is this bootstrapping with a paycheck mode of how entrepreneurs are starting companies as side hustles and, and you know, getting to a point and then uh, going full time with it which was against the grain of everything that was being discussed in the entrepreneurship world. Oh, if you're not, if you don't commit full time, you are not serious and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, really? That's what the investors want to say, but that's not what the entrepreneurs are doing. That's not how the entrepreneurs are navigating their bootstrapping journey. So, of course, today we have turned that into a major methodology building block. And, and Sam, thank you for uh, helping me in that process of, you know, validating what I was learning from the market and turning that into a methodology building block. So, talk about your experience bootstrapping Ada, and specifically, do uh, share a little bit of your bootstrapping with the paycheck phase. Super, will do. Um, so, Shramana, a little bit about uh, our, what we do, right? Our business, and you said about nature's rage, which gives me an opening that. 
we are very very passionate about community living we love the fact that you know um 100 200 families can live on a same piece of land where probably four or five independent houses can be so we are all about residential community and uh, we are uh, uh, we provide a saas platform complete saas platform for managing residential communities the adda app is for every owner and tenant living in a residential community it caters to everything that they require for a happy community living communication paying payment of bills finding local vendors booking facilities etc and this is powered by a complete backend saas which is available to the building management So now talking about uh, bootstrapping with uh, a paycheck as you say that so our journey started when we ourselves became residents in an apartment community residential community and i was working my husband was working but once we ourselves became in became part of the board of the HOA uh, we first hand realized all the issues that are present uh, in managing a high rise and they went many standards and compliances already published by the government that we could easily follow so we went out looking for systems and they went any so we decided that we both me and my husband had all the right um, experiences and skills to build something just for our community so we went about that and then you know what happens you just you know you you fall in love with what you're building you want you talk to a few other people saying that hey we're building this and then we realize that they too have the same problem and so you start doing so called market research right without even knowing you're doing it and it came to a point that uh, my co-founder by then which is uh, my husband he took a sabbatical from his work so he was full time into it he was building it he was coding it and i was supposed to be doing the market research gathering requirements towards building the mvp but i could not quit my job because obviously then the family running the family would be a big problem and we were already starting to pay for the servers and things like that slowly as some of the early users were hopping on so i uh, continued my job the good thing about this business was that our prospects would meet us on saturdays and sundays mm-hmm. so these were typically the board members in the hoa so in india they are called management committee members and uh, they also obviously have their full time job monday through friday and this is a volunteering service they do so they are also available on saturday sunday and saturday sunday is my time so i was like monday through friday on my consulting job and saturday sunday going out all over bangalore meeting these management committee members gathering requirements bringing them back to development and again taking it back for sales so this is this is how it went on um, my boss knew that uh, you know i was working to build something for management committees but this segment did not exist that time so you know from from my perspective their perspective it didn't even look like a business you know it was like you know okay you're just doing some kind of service or you know some knew that you were tinkering but he didn't really take it seriously no and then as long as it does not impact the work the job you're doing right and saturday sunday is my personal time right and i wasn't going i was not formally associated with the company uh, i was not on the roles i was not a director i was no way associated it's like i'm helping a friend pretty much to build something right so that way we made sure that you know we have no conflict with my employer because that would not be correct so yes 
So um, how long did you continue in that mode and what did you accomplish by way of customer acquisition before you actually went full-time with the company? Okay, so this I think went on for a year and uh, by the time I quit at the end of that year, we had about six or seven customers. Right, it wasn't a lot. Yeah, paying customers. It wasn't a lot because, but one of the customers was a large one. It was a 500 unit community who paid us three year subscription in advance, right? So that was a lot of faith put in the product. Yeah. That's the seed money. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. See, this is what I love about people who kind of internalize the bootstrapping philosophy is that if you can negotiate well, your seed money comes from customers, and then you haven't done any dilution. You haven't really chased mm-hmm. with a begging bowl all the VCs and all that. So totally, totally. Yeah. Um, talk about some of the strategic um, lessons of your building Ada. What um, you know, but now it's been eleven years almost. So when you look back on this large swath of time. What stand out as the things that you did right that are lessons from the trenches? Absolutely. See, one thing I have learned is that um, one can approach building a business from a problem-solving perspective, like, you know, get so committed to a problem and wanting to solve it for the entire market globally. Um, That's one way of building business. Another way of building business is to build wealth, right? And there's no problem in uh, both these styles of approaching it. What you talk about bootstrapping applies very well in the former type when you know you you really feel committed to solve a problem, you feel capable, uniquely capable to solve a problem. In that case, when we go about building a business, it's very important to build the bootstrapping DNA in, right? Of course mm-hmm. you can raise money and we realize this because we want to raise money on our terms, right? And because we knew how to bootstrap, we knew how to how to play this game and win despite very large customer uh, competitors. Um, because we had this bootstrapping DNA, we could fail a lot of uh, you know ups and downs. Okay, mm-hmm. and boot and doing that, knowing that you know we wanted to build this business no matter what. We get funding, we don't get funding, but we are doing this. We are building this business. And, uh, we will be number one. Elaborate on the competitive landscape because you did face well-funded competitors. And this is a question that comes up often in our um, discussions is that how do you, as a bootstrap company, how do you go up against well-funded competitors? So talk about that. Okay, sure. So before the seminar, I'll just tell you where we are today. So uh, we have over uh, half a million paying users across uh, five countries. And uh, we are uh, about uh, 2 million ARR uh, in revenue, 2 million USD. And um, product-wise, it is the most, uh, one of the most advanced such product in this segment globally. Now, um, in our journey, we have faced two large competitors at different times, right? And each of these competitors were uh, having 120x more funding than we have. We do have some angel funding. But nothing, that's nothing compared to the VC funding that these competitors had. And they had really large reputed VCs backing them. So whenever this uh, competitor will, these competitors will come in and they'll raise this huge funding, 
everybody will tell us, okay, time to go out and search for a job. You're going to shut down. How will you ever fight against that kind of money and things like that, right? So what would happen is we, you know, uh, starting as a bootstrapped company, you know how to adapt very fast to anything because you do not have yeah. a huge stash of cash you know, behind you, which you are throwing at situations, right? So you figure mm -hmm. out strategies very, very adaptively and very, very fast, right? So the entire team is built that way. The culture is built that way, right? So very quick alignment happens. And then we have zero bloat. We have no unnecessary team, you know, like, a, you know, a vanity thing that, oh, I'm having this 500,000 member team and all that, right? You want to be as lean as you can be. That's very How many useful. people do you have? So today we have about 85 people. We have tried to stay below 100. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, with that small team, it becomes very easy to align your strategy very quickly to any changes in the market, competitive landscape, etc. Number two is that we had very strong renewals, right? When we started building the product, our focus was that, okay, let's not focus on just keep getting users, keep getting users, keep getting users. Like, Sales, 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 sales. Our focus was sell, but sell enough that you can renew. Focus on the renewals, right? Because it is a subscription product and it was becoming quite a vast product. So it was very important for us to listen to the existing customers, build what they want, make the product really solid before we scale our sales, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if probably we were running after the typical user acquisition metrics, that may not have been the case, right? Now, since we had renewal as good as 85% plus, right? Some years we had even 90, 95% re renewal. Uh, we had a very, very strong revenue, even if our sales reduced certain years due to competition, right? And if yeah. you have a really sticky product, your renewal customers don't go away to competitors very easily, even though our competitors offered completely free products. I'm not saying premium, right? They just wanted to completely wipe out competition. So they just gave the entire product free of cost. And still we maintained those renewal numbers, right? It did take some dip. I won't say that it was always 1995. We did come down to 85, but even that is a very good number in sub, you know, subscription business, online subscription yeah. business. So that is something that in hindsight, I believe we did right. But it, it was a necessity, you know, making very strong recurring, recurring revenue was a necessity if we had to keep bootstrapping always as one of our, you know, part of our thread, uh, you know, company building thread. Markets, have these well-funded competitors made big inroads into the market? See, the first two to three years of these competitors gets brutal. Right, so the typical strategies are that you get into the market, you with cash, and they, that cash comes into customer acquisition, and it becomes very yeah. tricky. I tell you, it, it is a repeat. You know, now I have gone through two cycles, right? So the first thing that happens to you is that the competitor starts throwing money for customer acquisition, which is of course marketing budget and free products, right? After that, they would poach your people. Right, because if they cannot get customers yeah. from you, they will take out your employees. So that that slows you down, and that does slow you down, right? And after that, they would try to acquire you, right? So when both of these things are not working very well, they would try to acquire you. Yeah. And when when that also does not work, then starts the problem with them. That is, you know, then the investors get yeah. 
you know, impatient that, okay, doesn't look like you right. guys are being monopoly here. And the investors pull the plug and they go out of business. But in that, you know, about three-year time that they are in the market and trying to justify their existence, and uh, that's the period that's tricky for a bootstrap competitor Absolutely. like you. Absolutely. So now both those competitors are out of the market now. Uh, I wouldn't say that. The first one is out, yes. The second one's uh, in one of the later phases. But I wish them best because, you know, it's no fun without a really strong competitor. So we have gone through that phase also when we didn't have a very strong competitor. I found it hard to keep my team motivated, you know. <laughs> yeah, really. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yes. Nothing, you know, nothing. No. But the picture you make is actually well taken because when there is a... Um, when there are well-funded competitors in the market, they educate the market. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you a story. Uh, this story is actually kind of on top of my mind this morning because uh, a very good friend of ours passed away recently. In fact, if you read my first Entrepreneur Journeys book, uh, he was one of the case studies in that book is the founder of Qualys, Philippe Corto. And uh, mm -hmm. Philippe is a serial entrepreneur who did a bunch of really significant stuff in the industry. Um, he had lung cancer and passed away recently. Um, his, you know, service is coming up. We're discussing the service and so forth. That's why it's on top of my mind. And he told me a story in that interview that I did for the, uh, that we put in the first book. He had built this product called CC Mail. It was one of the first email products. At that point, Microsoft did not have, uh, you know, an, uh, an internal email, pro an e email product. And Bill Gates was going around selling an email product, but Microsoft didn't have the product. So Philippe said he basically chased Bill Gates around to every account, Bill Gates did the selling, and Philippe sold the deal. I mean, what yep. a brilliant strategy, right? Absolutely. Bill Gates did the market education and he actually exactly. got the deal. Exactly. So somebody doing the market education is very helpful for you. So I would, you know, I would argue that in the two competitors that have educated the market, you are reaping some of that benefits and you will continue to reap some of that benefits as you go along because you're staying put, you have a, you know, you have stability, people, buyers will see that you have stability and you are a reliable uh, vendor and, and that's going to help sure. you. Yes. Great. So, um, San, next question I want to pursue is um, in your customer acquisition, how much of a role did the fact that these apartment complexes that you were selling into communities, the residential communities you were selling into, were full of technically savvy people? We were very lucky that, you know, we happened to be in Bangalore when we started yes. this because a lot of our prospects themselves were product managers, CTOs, you know, and okay. they were almost all of them were working with technology. The kind of inputs we got were very well-rounded, you know, and all we had to do is listen keenly, go back to them, build what they're looking for with, of course, with our internal validations and processes, but have that cycle go on very quick. And honestly speaking, even after so many years, our release cycles are minimum one or two per month, right? So we do very frequent and small, small releases, uh, which delights customers. And we thought that, you know, back 
when we were two, three years old, we thought, you know, 10 years and there's nothing more to build in this product probably, right? It's a niche. But it's so amazing. Like today, just before this meeting, I was in a product build session. Usually it would be one hour, but nevertheless, always becomes one to two hours. It's so many new developments coming in, right? Well, so, um, COVID, right? In these apartment complexes, COVID has upended everything and um, the workflows yeah. and, and the requirements to keep a community like that safe. I mean, I hear stories from cousins of mine who live in these complexes in, in Bangalore and so forth, and, and the kids are stuck on the 37th floor and, you know, God knows what's going on. Yeah, amazing use cases, absolutely. So we were relentlessly building COVID tools, which can help these building management uh, manage COVID better in their communities, because these are very densely populated communities, right? And infectious diseases can be really disastrous. The maids, the cooks and all that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we, we built things like, you know, vaccination tracker, a complete end-to-end -end tool for conducting vaccination drives, because a lot of these drives yeah. are happening within the community. So people don't have to go to hospitals and, you know, increase the crowd there. Uh, that's one thing. Second thing we built was a good karma board where, you know, neighbors can put up that, hey, if you've got, if you're infected with COVID and you want home-cooked food, I can provide you South Indian-style food mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, or, or somebody has an extra O2 concentrator. And... Absolutely. And something like this, a pandemic, when everybody's home, right? Nobody's in office. Yeah. Everybody's trapped in their home. The demand on the community managers all the more, you know? Yeah. Um, so th this is when so that how... you feel so satisfied they are using your product so well. Yeah. And how do you view uh, the work from home trends, uh, given all this is happening? And, and you have a direct view into what's happening with the work from home trend. How is that going to go? What is happening? Are people going back to work or are they going to work from home? Honestly, Shramana, I only know what's happening with our team. So I wouldn't be able to speak about so many other segments. So we are obviously a SaaS company. Everything is online. We've always been online with a lot of online tools, etc. So work from home came very naturally when all of us went remote. But today no, but I have I'm these 85... That, um, these apartment complexes are full of technology workers, right? And and the technology companies have been the, at the forefront of adopting the work from home trend and really making a seamless transition into work from home. And, uh, and I, it would be interesting to see how that plays out in your population of half a million people. How much of that is in India, by the way, versus elsewhere? Our uh, uh, user base? Yeah. Yeah. We have about 70% of the user base in India. Rest is outside. And what other markets have you been able to crack? Uh, so we are in uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Oman, uh, Mauritius, Malaysia, Singapore. Okay. Great. Um, so I think that is a very nice view of uh, you know where you are and and how you've navigated this journey i'm actually thrilled that you you know you managed to navigate all of these disruptions with the flushed with venture capital customers and all that so i actually think your next phase is going to be more interesting and and more lucrative um when i look at your business and please pardon my giving you unsolicited advice <laughs> but I think there are business models 
uh, expansions that you can do that will monitor. I mean, half a million uh, users is a significant number of users. And these are prized users, right? These are people who are high-income users. They are, you know, they're a population of people who, if you can monetize that population with other business models besides the subscription fee, there's going to be opportunities to grow your business substantially. So, um, so I think you, you will have a more lucrative and more, you know, higher wealth-creating journey going forward if you stay with the business, which it seems like Absolutely. you will. We've, yeah, we've already started it, and it has a revenue share component with each community, right? So that, we believe, is a very win-win setup, right, which also helps the communities grow because ultimately they're not profit centers. They entirely depend on the maintenance charge collection that happens from yeah. the residents. So if they right. can leverage the platform where, you know, uh, we are monetizing as well as they are also getting a share of that monetization, then it just opens up the magic. Yeah, very good. Well, it's really great to catch up with you, Tan. Uh, all the best. We'll be in touch. I'm sure we will end up doing a few things together and, uh, and we'll talk more soon. Look forward. Look forward, Shramana. Thank you so much for having me. Stay safe. Thanks. You too. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.